Hey, 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 this is The Rest with uh, with Joel Kovacs, the rest of my thoughts, the rest of our church, and hopefully a little rest for our souls. Disclaimer, this is not a sermon. These are my thoughts and interests, and these are your thoughts and your interests. The rest is a time for open and safe opinions and dialogue and just the rest, the rest of the church, the rest of the people, the rest of the stuff, the rest of the world, the rest of everything that's going on. Uh, we've done we've done a very specific play on words with this. And so we're super glad that you um, are choosing to listen to the rest today. Today, uh, we're going to continue down a pathway of talking a little bit about servanthood because we're in a season of serving at our church. And so with me today is... One of the greatest people that I know, Dr. Rich Halcom, uh, he, uh, he, we're going to tell a little bit of the story of how we know each other here, and uh, you're going to get to know him, but he is, um, uh, I'm going to mess up your title. You are the director, president of the Association of Baptist Churches. Uh, I said so it, it wrong. It's changed quite a bit. So technically, executive director... And we're shifting the name to Strategic Church Network. Yes. Strategic Church Network, which when I met Rich, it was the uh, Association of Baptist Churches. Yeah, Metro Columbus, Metro Baptist, Columbus Association. Baptist Association. And technically, that's what it is now. It's just shifting. Shifting. Yeah. So at the time, though, just so you know, this guy's a baller. Rich, it was like 90 churches when you took it over? 76. 76 churches, and now it's 150? 141. 141. There's two joining today. And so today. we'll want to hear about that. But basically, Rich is a champion of churches, of leaders, of helping people uh, start churches, of making churches go, of helping leaders know how to do it, of supporting them, leading them, networking them, financing them, and all other kinds of ways. He also is the, and was, the executive director of the Stowe Mission, Yes, which now, what are you, the president so that's a wholly owned subsidiary of that network of churches. Okay. So I sit on both boards. It's, okay. It's up under those churches. I gotcha. But but Rich, you you were the executive director for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. They called it CEO. And yeah, that's, so we so that used to be an inner city ministry type that helped some people. So we spun it off as its own five hundred one c three in twenty ten. Yeah. And really raised money, bought a building, really built it out quite a bit. So it helps a lot more people than it did before. So the Stowe Center started off as kind of a local mission, actually by a dentist, however many years ago. Yeah, and down on in part on, off of Parsons, yeah. south of Children's Hospital there, and and it's blossomed into a, a ministry hub for people in the area. If you need education for work, if you need food from a food pantry, if you need dental work, mm -hmm. if you need vision. Uh, if you need church, if you need help through addictive substances, all kinds of things, it's all right there. Mm -hmm. And so Stowe also serves food every day? Monday through Friday lunch. Monday through Friday lunch. You guys end up feeding thousands of people Yeah, it was about 200,000 last year. Yeah. And so, it, so Rich... Rich is the guy who was the my champion when I believed I was supposed to start a church. Rich was the first guy I talked to, and he was the first one to believe in me and uh, invest and help me get the church off the ground. 
um, and then also is still on the board at 514 Church. So I'm glad we're going to have Rich with us today. He's going to talk about servanthood and leadership and uh, we're just going to uh, we're just going to kind of dive right into that, you know. Uh, with this series that I've been doing, we've been having some guest speakers. So we had Roy Hall, who, oh, yeah, yep, from from the Ohio State University. Yeah. And if you if you're listening and to this, Indianapolis Colts too. Right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yep. And so he spoke and did a great job talking about leadership. And then last weekend we had Mitchell Ellison, who. Um, he has for 22 years run the crack house ministries okay down in linden yeah christ i've, I've seen that right mm-hmm. on cleveland avenue yeah yeah christ resurrects after crack kills and he he if you didn't hear the message go listen he has trans kind of transformed it and and is evolving the ministry from what he said uh treatment to prevention mm-hmm. and work and working with people on um he started something called Church Boys Boxing. So he was a boxer in the army and he brought in, uh, he's bringing kids in off the street to train to box mm-hmm. and using that as an opportunity to share yeah. the message of Christ with them and, and to give them, obviously, like right. to love them practically. Yeah. Through That's a great place to do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he he's a, a really um, boots on the ground. He has six kids living down there. Um, wife is a fantastic leader and teacher. She teaches at Bible study fellowship, BSF Mm -hmm. as one of the lecturers there. And then, um, obviously, you know, together they've raised the six kids and not their oldest, but I think their oldest son, he, uh, and I got to find out what happened, but he was potentially going to get drafted into the NFL. He didn't get drafted, but he was signed as a, um, wow a uh, free agent. Um, and so he just had his tryout this past weekend with the wow. Saints. Yeah. And I don't know how it went, but he was going to know. So did he go to Lyndon McKinley High School? Oh, no, School? it's right now. Hold on. Uh, it's right now. It's okay. happening like t- today and tomorrow. Okay. And, then it, and then it ends on Sunday. I don't know where he went to high school. Okay. Well, I, somewhere local, central Ohio. Yeah, 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 I think so. And then he, uh, but he did go to IU. Okay. And then he ended up transferring, and I always get it wrong, Southeastern Louisiana State was like something like that where he finished up. And so uh, so he he fit, he was here and felt like, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to make the team. Like, yeah. it was cool. He pulled out his phone and showed me the the Saints, like, itinerary for practice wow. and all that stuff. So, he, yeah. you know, he, he was he's pretty excited. So um, I think, you know, when we talk about servant leadership, one of the things that Mitchell talked about is uh, he talked about the, I think it's the second Corinthians passage, chapter one, you know, Mm -hmm. the God of all comfort Mm -hmm. who comforts us in our affliction. Father of mercies, God of all comfort. So that we can comfort others with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted. That's a key passage for me too. Yeah. Tell me what you think about that passage. He, he, I, it hit me different. I've heard that passage my whole life. Yeah. I find it really interesting that um, to think about, well, he talked about how we go through difficult times, God meets us, and whatever whatever it is we went through, mm-hmm. the comfort that God gave us is, is going to lead us to our ministry. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a little bit of what he was talking about. Yeah. The way I think about it is our purpose is often birthed in pain, mm. right? So as we go through life, we 
face difficulties, with God's help, we overcome it. So a lot of your purpose in life often is helping other people walk that same path that you did. Yeah. Like AA. Like yeah. I've, I've never been an alcoholic. No, right. So last week we had an alcoholic on here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And talked so, about that. So I could read the book to them. I could send them a video, but I don't know what that's like. Yeah. Uh, so I work with a, a group that's actually probably going to help us at that new ministry hub, do addiction recovery. Yep. They have a thousand employees. Half of them came through the system. So we just back up because people need to know. So the ministry hub, the new one on yeah, Sharon on one sixty one, yeah, one sixty one. Yep. yep, that'll so, be Stowe's second location. Yep, probably doing. We'll launch that this fall with the backpack giveaway. Then we'll do after school program, yep. food pantry, maybe soup kitchen, that kind of thing. And so I'm sorry. Then who, who the program that you're working with from there? Yeah. So alcohol. So not from there. So yep. these guys are in um, Kentucky. Okay. Thirty seven locations. Okay. They baptized over 750 people last year wow. through a for-profit company. It's incredible. Oh, that's right. You were telling me about these yeah. guys. So they'll, they'll probably be operating out of that building. Wow. Kind of building it out for that. But most of them have been addicted, right? So one of the lead guys, all these are friends of mine, he says when he, he was for 18 years, it was all kinds of heroin and whatever, and he was making six figures. I mean, incredible uh, capacity, but he said, "I'm the kind of guy that would steal your wallet." You mean, you mean, you mean? Oh, so he was making six figures doing some job? Yeah, he was a physical therapist, and, and then, and, but he was addicted to hero, heroin. Yeah. Okay. Okay. High as a kite every day, and not wow. just heroin. A long list. All of kinds stuff. of drugs. Eighteen years. Wow. Till finally, his life kind of came to an end. Yeah. His wife said, "Either, you know, yeah, figure yeah it get out it together or, or get out." Right. So he got saved. End up leading this company that is creating massive transformational life change wow. in the lives of thousands of people. Did he go through like a treatment, like a detox? He, he was one of the first ones through this particular I system. See. Yeah. So they go from crisis to career, hmm. all the way from addiction to a productive, wow. God-honoring individual that's living into their destiny. Wow. Destiny's a big What's word the name of this? Uh, addiction. It's They call it ARC. It's Addiction Recovery Services. Okay. Addiction Recovery Care. Okay. Their, their website is arccenters, A-R-C-C-E-N-T-E-R-S dot okay. com. Wow. Incredible. I mean, yeah. they nationally recognized, doing it in all kinds of states. So we're talking to them about coming up here yeah. with that same process. Yeah. So a lot of people do the first phase, helping people off the stuff, mm-hmm. but not, they not do five what's phases. what's next. Right. Yeah. So I don't understand that. I've never been addicted. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a, but he does. Yeah. So the lead guy, he says, I'm the kind of guy, when he was in addiction, that would steal your wallet and then help you look for it. Yeah, right? just, yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't have a concept for that. Sure. So because God has transformed his life through that pain, yeah. that develops his purpose. Yeah. And I think that's what that uh, second Corinthians one's talking about. What, yeah. do you, what do you think, so I, I remember in seminary or somewhere studying the word comfort. Mm-hmm. So it's like the word, the, the first part is like to have something or with, and well, then the second part is strength. To yeah. give strength. Yeah. And, uh, well, there's another one, parakleo, which uh, means called alongside. Call, come alongside. Yeah. So it's actually the same word used for the Holy Spirit Par- over in Paraclete. John 14, right? So that comfort in, in 2 Corinthians yes. is not the, like, just with strength. It's to come alongside. Yeah. The whole way through it. I've never looked yeah. at it that extensively. Yeah, so he that uses word, the word multiple times. Yeah. So... I got a sermon on this. So no, yeah, 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 it's good. So the word it's used, I use the word encouragement rather than comfort. It right. just communicates a little more. Okay. So it's used 25 times in the New Testament, 17 in 2 Corinthians, 10, 10 times the word come alongside, parakleo is used in that prologue. 
the second Corinthians. And it's all about coming alongside. So God, like the Holy spirit does. So God comes alongside of us. Yeah. And one way that he does that is through another individual who's literally physically walking with you, you know, Holy Mm. spirit in you. Yeah. Good. Somebody beside you. Great. Great. Yeah. So just tell how, how do you think God comforts someone in their affliction? Like, what does God do to encourage someone who's afflicted? That's a great question. It's, uh, for me, um, it gives you a North Star when it seems like there isn't any. Yeah. Yeah. Hope. Right. Yep. Hope, destiny. um, Yeah. So it's kind of like if you were on the ocean in a little raft and the waves are crashing mm-hmm. and you're getting flipped upside. So that, How do you know where to go? Yeah. Dear God, I'm going to die. So in that same passage, Second Corinthians chapter 1, the apostle Paul says, we despaired even of life. Mm-hmm. Right? So what he's saying is, I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. So I've been there. Right? Yeah. And then if you look at people God has used greatly, for example, Jonah, mm-hmm. you know, and then Elijah and Moses. One mm. thing they have in common, not just that God, you know, did a great revival in Nineveh, not just that God um, set took them up into free. heaven, okay, not yeah, just that God yeah. set the people free. Mm-hmm. One, one commonality is all three of them at some point prayed that God would kill them. Mm. And that's something. Yeah. Apostle Paul, I thought I was going to die. Mm. So it's, and, and I think this is a key part of servanthood the real servanthood doesn't happen until you die to yourself. Mm. Uh, the way that we used to say it, I'm quite a bit older than you is, uh, and in ministry and in life really, before God takes over, you have to come to the end of yourself, mm. right? So that's not just salvation and includes that, but it's, it's, it's a laying down, it's a surrender of everything that I believe I am or have and can do. Mm. You know, in my first church, uh, so St. John of the Cross came as a Catholic father, came up with this phrase, the dark night of the soul. Right, yeah. That was my dark night of the soul. I'd well, grown well, up well, with- Yeah, what, what are you referring to? What do you mean? Your, what was yours? Well, so I, I grew up in a house, abject poverty, mm-hmm. food stamps, four younger brothers, two of them special needs. Church helped us with food. I went to college, worked my way through, worked my way through seminary, went- a week at, I didn't eat, didn't have any money, right? So I thought that was preparation for ministry. So I get to this first church. I was 26 years old. They'd been in decline for 25 years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I think back, my first birthday, this thing was heading downhill. Mm-hmm. And then I show up. Uh, the way I talk about it is I didn't kill it. I was just invited to the funeral. You are invited right? to the death sentence. But I'm 26 yeah. thinking, hey, we're going to do something. And they weren't going to do anything. Didn't want to do anything. Uh, one lady said, all I want to know is, a guy will be there to preach my funeral when I die. Mm. I'm 26 thinking, huh? a few other things I wanted to do. Yeah, right, right. So How I many tra- people are in this church at that time? 75. Okay. It's in South Columbus. Okay. So, I, you know, I grew up very difficult, but I'd always had a way of making things work really well, right? I could... Which is probably what happened as a result of how difficult light you learned. Yeah, right. Yeah, I could... Talk you can to make people. it. Right. I, you know, <clears throat> incredible work ethic, all yep. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, 
and I had some resources, you know, I'd been to school. Uh, so, but there I tried everything I knew and, and it was a long, pretty long list, I'll say. And even some things I didn't know and it didn't work. Because this is post, this is post uh, seminary. Yeah, I had like two you, master's degrees, you're bachelor's all, degree. Right. You, I'd grown you, up in church. You knew thought a lot you about had the all the stuff. Yeah. yeah. Right. So then, okay. So I thought the pain was enough for that to work, mm-hmm. right? The early pain. But what? There was more to go. Mm-hmm. And what I've, so I'm 60 now. I just had my birthday. What I've discovered is b- before every phase that God takes the ministry to another level higher, he first takes me to another level deeper. Mm. And that's after doing this since I was 26. So what what did you, what what did it mean to what's the connection to death? I want to know. Like, so, uh, a surrender of how I view myself, my gifts, who God is to a large part, how ministry works. So what did you do? What, what, what happened in that situation? Yeah. That you felt like, okay, now I'm dead. Well, so I, I, uh, so I was preaching, teaching five times a week. I went on visitation Tuesday night, sharing the gospel, uh, you mean to people sick? What was visit? What does that mean? Visitation. So it, it used to be that every Tuesday night you go on visitation, right? Quote to just visit people's yeah, homes so that are in the church. So you visit people and share the gospel with them. Got it. Yeah, that either come or don't come. Okay. So here's sort of a kind of funny side. Just note. you got to people don't. I don't. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, right. I didn't even grow yeah, up I'm in that. Back a long way. Yeah. So so I was uh, so I was at this other church for a conference, and there was a boat there on the church's property. The name of the boat was Visitation. Hmm. So, so it used to be back in the day, Tuesday night, you went out on Visitation. I right? got you. Seven o'clock, you knocked on doors, shared the gospel, that kind of thing. So this is years later, I'm at this church and there's a boat that says Visitation. I asked this older guy, what is that? He says, well, when the people ask the pastor, what were you doing? He said, I was out on Visitation. <laughs> right? so, yeah. so, it, so I knocked on 1,142 doors, cold calling, sharing the gospel in that church. For how many years did you do that? It's like three or four year periods. Just every like Tuesday night. Tuesday night, and I was As doing many, Saturday mornings. Okay. Like anytime I could fit in, I was trying to do that. So one thousand one hundred, I think it's forty two. Only one person got saved, and we led her to the Lord. A lady from church and I, while her husband was smoking pot in the back room, she got baptized. Couldn't find her three weeks later. Right, I don't know where she went. Right. One Sunday morning, I'm preaching, having the. In those days, you have a come forward invitation. Yep, so at the end. Yep. You want to accept Christ, walk up to yeah, the front come of the forward, church. Yep. Right. So I'm standing there and they're singing one of those old songs. Mm-hmm. And then I see a fellow who is a member of the church walk right to the aisle. And I'm looking, they're singing, this is going. So he takes his jacket off and I'm thinking, this doesn't look good, right? So there's a, an usher standing beside this guy. So I look at the usher and, you know, grimace and shake my head no. And he gives me the hands up sign, like, I don't know what to do. What do yeah. So then this guy gets down on his belly and starts crawling up the middle aisle to the front. And on that Sunday, unlike most Sundays, we had two visitors, Lord Jesus. Right, yeah. So, I'm, so I see him start crawling towards me. I said, what any preacher would do, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes for prayer, right? <laughs> I'm praying, Please, don't dear see Lord, this. what is going to happen? Right, right. So I open my eyes, and the guy's on the floor right at my feet, at the front of the church. So I keep praying, he crawls back, right? So, so later this guy stopped by Tuesday after Sunday, stopped by. And I said, what were you doing? He said, well, I felt like God wanted me to do it. I said, 
never do that again, right? I don't, oh, I consulted with him. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, don't don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So 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 you got to the, every every tool in your toolbox you exhausted. Right. It didn't work, and then you so you 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 had to resort, and that was a death of sense. Yes. So what did you resort to, or what happened? What? Well, um, well, there's a lot of dear God, I'm going to die. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of on my face crying. Right. Just because it's like nothing. Nothing. It's hopeless. It's mm-hmm. hope. There's. Mm-hmm. I've tried everything. So I talked to another older pastor. I was there six months. I was telling him he'd been there 15 years. He said, "I've been in the ministry 15 years and haven't gone through what you've gone through in six months." Mm. The church was broken into. Mm. There were people. I could tell you stories. Yeah, uh, right, right. Was, I mean, it was just, it was crazy town, right? Mm-hmm. So I sent my resume out to every uh, state organization I knew that hired pastors. Yeah. Nothing. Mm. Right? I called friends of mine, nothing. Mm. I mean, there was like, there's no way out of here. And who, what good church, quote, good church is going to hire a guy in his 20s that grew up in poverty that's at a dead church in the inner city of Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Nobody even knows I'm alive. Right, yeah. And I'm almost not. Right. So I came up with this thing, one church in two locations, right? Okay. This was 1989 and 1990. Wow. I hadn't heard anybody doing that before. So people who had grown up in that church moved to Grove City, you know mm-hmm. where that is, mm-hmm. and started a church. They were looking for a church there. So I thought, well, we can... Uh, start a church there and then use resources leadership to help the inner city. Yeah, Because inner city needs a lot of help. Uh, So I wanted to call it something different. They didn't want to call it something different. And so- What what was it? Can you say the name? Do you want to? Yeah, so it was Southside Baptist Church. Okay. Which is still there, by the way. Yeah. So I wanted to call it Grove City Community Church, which made sense. Yeah. No, they voted to call that Southside Baptist Church also, which kind of defeated the whole purpose. And then here shows my, uh, my naivete. So we did that for a while. I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to go ahead and change the name of the church. So I had a buddy of mine. Now, at the time, just <laughs> congregational rule? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Deacon rule, congregational rule, vote on everything, mm-hmm. right? So a buddy of mine, and you probably know him, Frank Carl up at Genoa. Church. Yeah. So he used to do my bulletins for me because he had, quote, a laser printer. This is, this is when that was a big deal. <laughs> that was a big deal. So I would drive all the way up to Westerville. He had his office in a garage at that time. He'd print my bulletins every week. So I said, Frank, this week, just put Grove City Community Church on there, right? So the deal was- You just was, made the decision. Right, yeah, so- Oh, so boy, I would that pre- could be the beginning of the end right there. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I'd preach at Grove City, you know, I'd preach at that Grove City location, and, and then I would preach at the Southside yeah. location on South High Street, right? Yeah. Same Sunday. So that morning, nobody had ever heard this before, but so welcome to Grove City Community Church. I'm glad you're here today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so some of those same old people went to both of those. Yeah. So I went back to the Southside location before I preached. This guy ripped my head off, oh. stomped on it, yeah. spit on it, mm-hmm. kicked it to the curb. Mm-hmm. Dear Jesus. And did then, you lose your job? No. So how long were you there? Uh, three and a half years. So they did have a meeting about me that I didn't know about. So I get a call at my house. Hey, Brother Rich, we're here. Who's we? Well, all the leaders. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. This isn't good. So worked through that. And then um, there was something else. I don't remember what I did the second time. So anyway. But, but eventually yeah, you, rather you than got- Rather than guy calling me, I called him. Hey. Yeah. He said, well, I'm surprised you had the foresight you did to know that we were all meeting about you. 
basically yeah. behind your back. Well, yeah, how about that? Yeah. So, um, so I talked to them and had them release that mission church. And I, I quit the church, went to pastor the mission church, and I sold medical equipment that I knew nothing about. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> For six months. Um, but you went and you took over the Grove City one? Yeah. Which only had about 20 people. Right. Right. This isn't some kind of... Right. Yeah. It wasn't... It's not well, going well. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so I was there about six months and then... Uh, I developed a relationship with a senior pastor at Dublin Baptist Church over on Kaufman Road by the mm-hmm. first high school. So they, after six months, hired me as associate pastor, youth and education at Dublin. Mm. And there, the education grew 24% year over year. Never went to Champion Forest. So, mm. but all of that was deepening yes. for God to take me further. And now I can, so I was talking to a guy recently. It's a horrible situation. You got 20 people. Uh, eight of them are his family, and then he has nine on the board Ugh. for a total attendance of 20. So it's his family and the board? Yeah. Ooh. And his board is the kind of people that I... Yeah. So, I'm, so I knew, I, I felt and have been where he was. Yeah. And I think as, as part of... Those painful points are part of God's preparation to fulfill your ultimate thing. contribution in life. Yeah. So, so it, the 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 passage could be translated like the God of all encouragement, yeah, who encourages us in our affliction, yeah, so that we can encourage others with the encouragement that we've been given, right? So that that passage leads off. I think it's verse three where it says, "The Father of mercy, Father of mercy, and God of all comfort." So the way I think about it is, and the God of all encouragement, yeah. So when you think about like the Father of our country. George Washington. Yeah. He started it. He created it. He birthed it. He originated it. Yeah. So God is the father of mercy. Mm. He started it. Mm. He created it. Mm. If you've ever received mercy on any level, it ultimately was started by him. Mm. That, that's part of the, the comfort. Mm. Yeah. So however so, I'm so getting it, it, Is what he's getting at is that the way he encouraged is through mercy or that, that he's the father of mercy and he also encourages, or there's yes. a little bit of both? A little bit of both. So it, in that passage, it delineates both of them. Father of mercy is God of all comfort. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. And two, then it talks about two complementary things, things, but it's different. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. so dear God, I'm going to die. It's uh, like, God, I'm with you. Th- same thing he said to Moses. Mm. Now, I'm not telling you it's getting better. I'm not telling you you're going to feel good. I'm with you. I, I think that's the mercy. Do you, do, you, do you feel like the way that God does that is through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now I know that the, that that he's saying the process is that God comforts you, and then you use that comfort yeah. to comfort others. But do you believe that the presence of the Holy Spirit absolutely encourages you? Absolutely. Just it, just is it a feeling? Is it like a? Is it a? Is it a? What is that like to it, you? It's a. Uh, it it feels like the rock foundation underneath what could be the ricketiest of buildings, right? So no matter what happens to this wooden structure, mm-hmm. it's blown about, could be leaking. Mm-hmm. It's still not going all the way down. Mm-hmm. Does that, is it about resurrection? Like what is the hope if, if there's no promise of success? It's the presence of God in the midst of the chaos yeah. And the hope of an eventual new life? Well, or... so I think that's part of it. That's not really... So 
<clears throat> it's like um, the, the strongest individual you can imagine mm-hmm. that says, Rich, no matter what happens, I'm with you. I'm with you. Right? Yeah. I'm not promising you success. Yeah. There's no... Right. I mean, the things God's allowed me to do now, thank you, Jesus. Right. That's more him than me. Right. So it's not like I'm doing this, so one day we'll have... A this, bunch of churches right, and a bunch all of... all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's... I'll, I will... So it's what he said to Moses, which did not at all feel encouraging to him. Yeah, like, it's like, God, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to be with you. I'll be with you. And, and isn't that indicative of success? I mean, yeah. the, a level of what is success, the presence of God. Right. I just, I just wonder, like, so many people have, I feel like they have a relationship with God and they don't feel encouraged or they don't feel comfort. Yeah. What, what is going on with that? Uh, yeah, so I... So for me, I hadn't hit low enough to realize that I couldn't do it. I could always do it, right? So my background, I can go to college. I can figure this out. Yeah, from poverty. I, like, yeah. that's not a, that's right. a big mountain to yeah. climb. First generation college graduate, any side ever. Of your family. family. Right. So I can figure that out, right? So Tina and I moved to Fort Worth, Texas, 1,100 miles with a U-Haul trailer, didn't have jobs, found jobs, didn't eat, found it, work, figured all that out. Mm-hmm. Right? So I can, I mean, of course, always said God's helping, and he is, but also knew I had some personal resources I could rely on, right? If push comes to shove, it's kind of yeah. like this, there's another story, I was with a pastor where the guy we were visiting threatened to kill us. Uh, he's an older guy, <laughs> got a restraining order. That's a whole nother story. But, <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking, so there's me and then the old guy and then the front door, and I'm thinking, if push comes to shove, I can take that guy. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. So it was kind of that that kind of mentality until that dark night of the soul. Yeah. Now, yeah, I'd been through, if you want to say hell and back, yeah. right? Sometimes not all the way back, but I'll make it. Here, it's like, I don't know. I don't know, if I I don't know about it. that. So, so affliction. Yeah. What's, what is he, what is the reference with Paul? Is he talking about, is he talking about like left for dead acts stuff or is he talking about something, something different? Yeah. I think it's both. I think definitely he was stoned left for dead. Right. Uh, one preacher way back said wherever Paul went, there was either a riot or a revival. Yeah. Right. It wasn't going to stay the same. Yeah. 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 So I think a lot of that affliction is. So when you go through that kind of pain, so John Eldridge calls it a wound, right? There's a wounding there, right? So the deepening of God is you operating different at a juxtaposition from the wounded. Mm. So that humanly speaking, I'm wounded. So that determines my thinking, which determines my actions, which determines the outcomes. So that Typically. Yeah. So mine was poverty. I was mm-hmm. in a small group, asked me what I fear. This was a few years ago. I went home, Tina said, Tina, my wife. I said, yeah, they asked me what I fear. Well, she said, well, it's poverty. Yeah, I know. Right. So the question is, am I going to operate out of that woundedness or am I going to trust God? This is where the trust and comfort comes in outside of that. Mm. So when we had to raise $1.3 million, I knew you about that time down there on Parsons Avenue. Mm-hmm. My background was you never ask people for money, yeah. poverty, this whole kind of thing. Uh, I went to the doctor for chest pains, had a stress test. I'm on the treadmill, you know, running. He was like, do you work out? Yeah. How often? About three times a week. What do you do? Elliptical. 
what are you doing here? Trying to raise a million dollars? That about killed me. Mm. Now, to most guys, not, because they didn't come from where I did. But it was me. Mm. So I had that, and I, I knew that. I purposely acted outside of that. So when I came from that church in Texas to here, I took a massive pay cut. That was a purposeful move to act contrary to my woundedness. Because your woundedness would say, protect, hold, hold build, the fort. Hold the right. fort. I got Don't a great allow salary, yourself great to go house. down. Because why would you want to get hurt again? Right. And so the, the, the gospel tells you don't operate from that woundedness, but right. learn from that woundedness. Right. You use that as, I mean, Paul talks about his weaknesses and boasting. Yeah. Your and, past is always present. Mm-hmm. Your past is present, but- It should not determine your future. But it should not determine. Yeah. Hmm. And I made that up a while back. That's kind of how it gels in my head. Your past is always present. present but it should not determine your future. Right. So, so, so there are people that are in denial about their past. So I didn't, I was embarrassed by two special needs brothers and poverty and holes in my shoes. And so I didn't want to talk about that. Mm. But when you don't talk about that, that has a power over you that God can't use. Mm. It's like a lady in my church. Where I you mean like it, 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 it's, it's a shame filled part that you're just, you're not acknowledging it like you la- you're lacking right. self-awareness? Well, you're very much aware of it, but it's a yieldedness. So you're just not... It's given into it. You're letting it stop you from... Right. And, and you think I'm only limiting, in my ins- you're only limiting the poverty part, but my self-limitation on the poverty part limits everything else God wants to do through me. So how? Well, so if I, in particular poverty... I will be unable to relate to people that have money that could contribute to this ministry. If my life is operating through that filter of poverty, mm-hmm. I have a scarcity mentality where if I have two, I need to hold on to those two and bury those two and keep those two, mm. and it's never going to be 10. Mm. Yeah. So that parable of the talents, Matthew. Fear. Yeah. The fear of losing what you yeah. already have. So Matthew 25, parable of the talents. Mm-hmm. The guy with five had five, guy with two gained two. Yep. Guy with one buried it. Yep, and right. the master said, what happened? He said, I knew you were a hard man and I was afraid, mm. fear. So I dug a hole and buried it. Mm. So my background is blue collar, right? Work a lot, very hard. So in that particular parable, the guy who did the most physical labor, dug a hole and buried it. Made, the, lost, yeah. Well, not only that, he said wicked and lazy. Wicked and lazy, but he worked hard. Yeah, mm. but not the way that not God the way wanted him to. to. Right, it's the fear. The mm. fear is the work. The emotional, spiritual is the work, not the guy with the shovel. So, so how do you work through that type of fear? You act contrary to it. You don't feel like it. You don't, I need a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Dear God, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do it. I don't want to do it. Mm. I don't know anybody who's got it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to trust you, mm-hmm. right? Because I trust you mm-hmm. and allow you to do... So here, there's and, a, but then you also talk, you talk about like acknowledging it. Yeah. Acknowledge, I'm afraid. Right. But I'm not going to let my fear right. dictate my future. Right. And you don't wait for the, the feeling to shift. Yeah, because. Because honestly, it's still there. That, yeah. That fear of uh, poverty. Mm-hmm. That's, that's still part of me. Now, not, it's diminished. Uh, but you, 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 you like metabolize that, you right. process that, you allow that to have its space. Yes. You hear what it has to say and then you say, okay, but no. 
Right. And then you go to another level and something happens that you don't immediately connect to the fear of poverty. Pray in my journal most every, and all right, here it is again, Mm. right? What are we going to do this time? I need to go to a higher level, which is precipitated by a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Surrendering at a deeper level what I thought I had already surrendered. What's interesting is I, I, you're, you're, you're kind of parsing for me, maybe for the first time, there's fear. Yeah. Fear in and of itself is not like a bad thing. No. You know, like my wife talks about on one of the, po- she, she talked about, you know, fear, it keeps us alive. Like it, yeah. You know, you're, you see a bear, you should run. I mean, this basic level of fear. But what you're bringing into it, which I think is really interesting, is a wound. What? I think that's where the fear comes from. Where so, else would so it come like from? So it's like fear... You know, when people say, don't be afraid. Okay, well, maybe there's things you should be afraid. But then when you talk about your life and you talk about a wound yeah, and what that wound does to you right. is it tells you, you should be afraid of this wound for the rest of your life. And that's right. no way to heal a wound no. or to move forward right. in a healthy way. So there are things that would take me to the precipice of spiritual uh, catastrophe that would not bother you. What do you mean? Because you don't have that same wounding. Oh, right. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So all of us have stuff. Yeah. The difference in some people have it, some people don't. The difference is everybody has stuff. The two different kinds are people that recognize it, people that don't. Yeah. So it's all of us have some sort of thing in us and it's different. We all might look alike. We have a head, two ears and that. Yeah. But those are all different. So that is God's individualization of his work in our lives Rich, are you willing to give up your thing? Mm-hmm. Now it's easy for me to tell you what you need to do. Yeah, right. Because I don't, I don't worry about that. That yeah. doesn't, that doesn't yeah, bother it's not, me. It doesn't, it doesn't right? strike. But it's my thing. Yeah, and only my thing can take me deeper, and it can only go deeper mm-hmm. when I relinquish it. One of the one of the therapies for for fear is exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like a little bit of what you're talking about. Yeah, kind of so, act like it doesn't exist, and then you got no. Okay. So Poverty. One, one thing to so around, so in the Christmas story, mm-hmm. kind of going back a few months here. So you think about Zacharias, right? Father John the Baptist. Yeah. He was afraid. Mary, fear not. Yeah. Right? The, the shepherds, fear not fear for gold. Yeah. At all, the, the first instance, the first emotion mentioned is fear. Fear. In people that God used great, greatly. So there's fear, and then you step out in faith, mm-hmm. and only then comes fulfillment. Yeah. Some people want to pretend like they don't have the fear and see mm-hmm. the fulfillment and it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Fear. Fear not for behold, I bring, and then yeah. they acted on faith. They went ahead and saw the baby. Here we go. Yeah. Mary was afraid. Yeah. Went ahead and acted. Here we go. Yeah. No, that's good. Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary to your wife, right? He didn't want to do that. I wouldn't either. And I think it's important to contextualize that, those moments because that's God. Yes. Saying don't be afraid. Right. That's not Jim down the street saying, no. don't be afraid, do what I say. Right. It, yeah. You shouldn't be afraid of this. Pro- why aren't you shouldn't be afraid? It's God saying, I understand this is scary. Yeah. And I'm telling you, right. you can depend on me. Yeah. I'm going to bring forth a child. Don't be afraid. I will be with you. I'm going to be there. That's all you need. But it's. But I think where it gets hard is like some people think, well, I think I'm supposed to do this thing in faith. Well, they don't know if God wants them to do it. Yeah. And then someone comes, don't be afraid, do it anyway. Well, 
<laughs> if God didn't tell you to do it, maybe you should be afraid. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Right? So it's yeah. not really about fear right. as much as it is about the process of normal human emotion and the way that God, when he moves into that territory, like when, you know. That's the depth of your soul. That's the depth because it's like he knows you're afraid. Right. So the Joshua story, of course they're afraid to go fight all these giants yeah. or whatever they are. God's like, you don't need to be because I'm going to be with you. Well, and Jesus in the garden. Yeah. God, um, if it's possible. Yes. This is God in the flesh, yeah. right? This, yeah. this, is, this is the guy. This is the guy. If it's possible, don't let this happen. Yeah. But your will. I trust you. Yeah. Right. Your will be done. That, that is a model for each one of us. And, but, each one but, of us has those garden moments where we have to surrender who we are, what we believe, where we're going. God, I'll do anything. I'll be anything you want. And then you let him decide what that is. And and I'll say this. This is something you can push back on this. I was cutting my grass yesterday and I right. had this. I stopped and I took off my gloves <laughs> and I had to write it down. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I had to write this down because, so I was thinking about the Holy Spirit. I think that the Holy Spirit is not as much there to give us some type of individual insight, secret to our lives as much as he is there to help us do what's pretty obvious, which is hard to do anyway. Yeah. So my question would be obvious to whom? Well, right. obvious based upon the revealed will of God in the scriptures. So for example, like it's pretty clear you're supposed to, the, the, the re, you're supposed to love your family. Yeah. Your, your family's supposed to be your ministry. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, John Mark Comer says that the first, the original human vocation is family building. Mm -hmm. So, That's good. You, you know, we think of ministry as like this thing, you're called away to do this thing. Well, I don't think God calls anyone away from their family. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Right. My, my point is that the spirit is there to remind us, to teach us, to encourage us to do what's fairly obvious to do not always some special, like you need to move to Cambodia. You need to, maybe, yeah. maybe he's there to help you with that, to help you do the thing that you know you're supposed to, but he's not going to like come along and tell you some unique thing that's so radical that you can tell everyone around. I know this doesn't make sense, Yeah, no. but, but I, God yeah. told me to do it. And the reason I say that is, is when God shows up to Joshua, when God shows up to Mary, when God shows up to Zachary, you know, yeah. th this is like, that's, that's, the, of, that's the end of a process. Talking. Now, yeah, yeah. now, I know that God does that still sometimes, yeah. but I really think that the human life is more about following what we know the yeah. will of God is yeah. and the Holy Spirit helping us. And that's what our relation, cultivate the fruit of the spirit, love, yeah. joy, peace, patience. These are not great mysteries. Right. They're extremely difficult to accomplish. Yeah, I would agree with that for the most part. I, so, I don't want to shut off like, oh, the Holy Spirit's not going to tell you some specific thing, but I have watched a lot of well, people. Well, that's one in a... I mean, I've watched a lot of people say, oh, I knew God told me to do this. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a minute. He definitely told you to do these four things first. So that can't preclude those. No. Suddenly he told you to do something and yeah. you move off of some other grand yeah, he responsibility. he works on the mundane more than the miraculous. Yeah. So that whole, like for me, interpersonal skills. Mm -hmm. My dad was in the Navy, then he was a mechanic and... Mm -hmm. I say sarcasm was viewed as a spiritual gift in my family. Right? <laughs> right, yeah. So being a pastor, it, it didn't work like that. Right. God had to really change that. Yeah. And that was the Holy Spirit working in my life. Yes, right? and he's shaping you. Yeah. But that's right. wisdom. You're learning about the people. You're right. learning about the way yeah. the world works. Yeah, so the Holy Spirit 
I mean, I agree with you that, so there's some things I've done, taken a risk to do some things, but those are few and far between. Mostly it's, uh, Lord, how am I going to handle that situation today? Yeah, or, right. So I said this to Tina yesterday. Yes. I don't. Yeah. I don't. It's, a, it's that, it's, well, the, the way I view the Holy Spirit is, like Elijah talks about, it's that still small voice. Yes. Right. It's that, that whisper that, Rich, you were too harsh. Yes. Or Rich, that's not what the guy needed. Yes. Right? Or, or Rich, you need to take another look at, that's. That's that walking beside mm-hmm. and inside mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit's direction. Mm-hmm. And then as, and, and here it is too, it, uh, here's what I, I think. If you're not following him in those, he won't show you those other things. The, the, the specific right, things. Right, the big, yeah, whatever it is yeah. that you think you want. Because it's, so another way I think about it, and this happened through that first church. So my first question, age nine, can I trust God for the next life? Mm-hmm. So age nine, yes, right. Um, mm-hmm. They say that kind of thing. And then... During that first church, I don't think I can trust God for this life. Mm-hmm. I think he's jacked me around. I see. I yeah, think yeah. he has yeah. messed up my life. Mm-hmm. Right? So then beyond that, I had to kind of confess that, Lord, I'm sorry. I do trust you. Yeah. But then what I think is the most important question in life is, can God trust me? Mm. Right? And if he can't trust me in those whispers, yeah. Rich, you were too harsh. Or... <clears throat> You need to go back and apologize to that yeah, apologize yeah. to that guy. Yeah. If he can't trust me in that, he's not going to show me those yeah. other things. Yeah. And that that's part of the way I put it, where deeper. Yeah. That, that's the deepening. Yeah. Right? You need and to I, and I guess swallow if, your pride, go back and say you're sorry. Or, those are those are important moments. Like those are like those are like moments interfacing with the God of the universe yeah. in a deep soul level. My, my point is though that those are not the most complicated ideas. No. Those are God telling you to do like, what yeah. anyone else would go, right, dude, you need to go yeah. say you're sorry. So, like, that's why, <laughs> so a lot of that was not obvious to me. That's why I asked you what's obvious, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so what seemed obvious to me is if you think, and this is, I'll just say it, right? Yeah. If you think a guy's stupid, you tell him you're stupid. Right, right. That's what was, that's sure. where I grew up. That's sure. And well, so but here, the spirit's going to come along and go, hey man, you're supposed to be like a gentle, right. soft yeah. listener six. piece. Yeah. yeah. So even if somebody is wrong, gently, yes. right, that kind of thing. That's what I'm saying. I think that the Holy Spirit's function is to help us produce the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. And the fruit of the Spirit is is the kind of stuff that in the fabric of Western morality is like, yeah, that's right. that's obvious right Definitely. there. So I most people, the most people test. would be pretty Christian if they let the Spirit's prompting do the work of simply a, accomplishing the basics yes. of. I mean, and I would describe those basics just as you, the fruit of the Spirit. Right. right? It's not memorizing Bible. Right. Which I think's good. No. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. But. But. So the Bible is written not to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. Yes. Right. Into the walk with the spirit. Into the walk. We're so, trying to know who God is. Right. And we see who God is. And then we go, well, this is the way he operates. And I think that, I guess what I was getting at is like, it's a little bit of a sideways thing, but I think people often think that God's direction in their life is some grand mystery right. no. and, and it's some not. grand calling. Like I, 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 I even have to say, and you can put... Paul's calling to do what he did. Yeah. That's different than, than a lot of what pe- people say, I was oh, called yeah. to ministry. Come on. Uh, okay. 
you, you're called to ministry. You weren't called away from your family over your ministry. So right. God, God has generally called us all to be in ministry. Right. Humans are supposed yeah. and to the be Bible never... reflections of what yeah. it means to be so our, godly. Our relationship with God is primary. Relationship with our family is secondary. Yeah. Ministry is tertiary. It's yeah. Third, it's third yes. on the list. It should be. Yeah. So and when anyone says I can't, I, God called me. And that means I, you know, I got to leave my, you know, John Wesley. I don't know if you heard stories about oh, yeah. him. His wife, wife had used to beat him, and yeah, and yeah. It had scar fever, and before kids. she, before she even her fever broke, he went back out in the ministry. Yeah. And these guys are revered. And I'm not saying I'm better than those guys. I think that there is a a a, a misunderstanding right. of what ministry yeah. is. I really think right. it's there's a fundamental yeah. part. And, and I'm God, not saying those guys didn't, but I'm saying that's not typical. Yeah, right? it's that's, not. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. No, and at, at any rate. Yeah, that gives your, gets your crossways with a lot of what God wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Like you say, your first ministry is to your family. It's, so I had a, a scheduled meeting tonight, right? And then my grandson's uh, baseball schedule got rearranged where he had a game tonight. So I called my secretary, called him, yep. changed the meeting. Changed the meeting. Now, early, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. I had a fear. Yeah. Because I'm thinking I got to work hard. So I make enough money. Make enough money. Right? So it all, it, yeah. a lot of- Yeah, in my what head it stems goes, from. Right, goes back to that. So mm -hmm. change that very important meeting to be there for my grandson. One of, I don't know, I played eight, 10 games a year. Mm -hmm. But he'll never play again tonight. I'll never see him if I'm not there tonight. Yeah, that's right. You know. So I, I just, the God of all encouragement. Yes. I mean, when you think about that, that is like- like when someone is in the church and they don't feel encouraged, yeah, then then that's not that's not God. That's not the no, church. Right. And encouragement is like one of the most powerful things in the yes. world. Like that's part of our relationship. Right. Our one one okay. of the reasons we have a great relationship is because, and I'll tell you, selfishly, you encourage me. Huh. No, no, no like like not oh. like your presence. Which it does hey, yeah, well, because yeah, of what you do when you're in my presence. Like yeah. you encourage me. You say things to me that are like specific. Like Joel, I believe in you, man. I do. You, you know, I mean, and, and you I know I love you. I know that, and you right. say that all the time. And I'm like, I don't have right. a person in my life yep. that spends more equity of the words they say to me, encouraging me than you. Wow. Well, and I'm not trying, this is coming yeah, up right I now never because- thought of it. I, I do but, it because I believe it. I know, right? I know, but my, yeah. and I love it. And it, I'm genuine when I say that, but like the God of all encouragement. Right. It's just like, I feel like you could take that filter and go, that is what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Give people strength, Absolutely. encourage people. Well, even that word encourage means to put courage in. Yeah, to put, right? to fill in, them. Yeah. Inject it, yeah. Inject them with courage to go right. out and know how much God loves yeah. them and comfort them. And if they don't feel that, like when I feel encouraged, when you encourage me, I feel, I'm like, I feel so, ah, oh, man, like, thank you. <laughs> well, good. So think about that. Like, I think that the church in a lot of ways could grow a lot if we thought we're not letting people leave here today. Right. Unless they walk out going, man, yeah, that was helpful. Now, now you and I, you're on the board, yeah. So, like, you know, we had a conversation last week. We won't get into the details, but you told me some stuff that didn't feel like encouragement, yeah, but right. it was. Yeah. But it's faithful are the wounds of a friend. It wasn't yeah, really a right. wound, but it's like you, you know, yeah, counsel. It's yeah. different. It's hard stuff to hear. Right. That doesn't. That does not eclipse encouragement in relationships. So it's not about not. 
telling people right. things that are difficult to hear or challenging or account. that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's about the father of mercy, the God of all comfort. Like you're like, okay, that's my dad. He told me something to do, but that's my dad. I love him. Like right. he, right. the persona is overwhelmingly about yeah. encouragement. So here's another thing. And I just thought of this. Yeah. I think it's true. So God is everywhere. Omnipresent, right. right? So anywhere I receive encouragement, and I do this, I acknowledge it comes from God, right? Even if it's... Something else. Right, something... So I was visiting with our Kenyan pastor. Oh, so it's like if you, if it's the God of all encouragement, it's almost like it's his brand. Yeah. So if it's over there, that came from Nike. That, that came from... Yeah, wherever it comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. And this is... So our Kenyan pastor, he's had some physical stuff. I was over there talking to him and he, he was kind of in and out, you know, I mean, he's really having a difficult time. Uh, that was the first church that joined here 19 years ago when I came, mm. that Kenyan mm. congregation. So he looks at me and he says, in a moment of clarity, Rich, the church needs more from you. Mm. I'm like, why Because I wasn't sure if he was, what did you say? And he said it again. The church needs more from you. Mm. Hugely encouraging. Mm. Right? I don't know where that came from, but I know ultimately it came from God. Mm. So when I'm walking down the street and see somebody that may or may not even be a believer and I get encouraged, thank you, God. Mm. God's everywhere. So wherever, however it's getting to me, it started with him. There's lots of filters. Mm. Yeah, but for my life, I want to be one of those people that does encourage people. Part of my life purpose is I want to lift people up. so, So they're better off than they were when I saw them. Mm. Now, sometimes it's what I regard as a funny joke. They may see as corny or, you know, <laughs> Yeah, just but that's something. what you're doing. Hug them. Mm. Uh, one pastor friend of mine, he says, everybody needs a look, a touch, and a word, mm. right? So in church on Sunday morning. A I'll, look, a touch. Right. Mm. I, sometimes I'll put my arm around a guy's neck. Mm-hmm. Brother. A touch. Look at him. I love you. Mm. A look, a touch. Who a said that? Well, uh, so Steve Griffith, and then a he look, quotes, a touch, and the and a oh, word. Yeah. Isn't that good? I mean, that is like a that is that is a model for systemic yes. church engagement. Right. Wow. Mm. A look. I've, so they want it, They need to be seen. Right. They need to be embraced. Yeah. So even in the Bible, the whole touch thing, and I'm pretty uh, kinesthetic, you know, pretty tactile. Yeah, not everybody is, but... No. Yeah, so there was a story about the leper, right? Right. Unclean, unclean. Yeah. So the Bible says, and this is extremely significant, he went and... Touched. Touched him. Mm-hmm. He touched the leper. Yeah. The guy who hadn't been touched in who knows how long. And his ceremonial unclean and right. against stay the away, law. Stay away, stay uh-huh. away. He touched him. Mm-hmm. So I give a hug to people most if I see, you know, I mean, I just, <laughs> I'm a hugger. Yeah. I kind of do that. And, but you know, I mean, even, you know, people, um, we just got this crazy email from our school. This is crazy. I don't want to alarm people, but the, our L, New Albany school, uh-huh. a kid went to school with a loaded handgun in his bag. Man. Isn't that crazy? That is. How about taking this podcast from encouraging to, yeah. Not, right. not encouraging. That's... Isn't that scary? Right. That's one of the reasons... That's beyond scary. Yeah, it's beyond scary. Well, it shows... I mean, so the whole fear thing? hmm I'm not in control. No. Yeah, I got a good school. 
those people aren't in control. Yeah. So who am I dependent on? Right. My job or mm-hmm. my family or God who says, I'll be with you. Yeah. Right. For me, that comes full circle. And I like basically talk about the resurrection so much that it just gets old, I guess. But to me, understanding that you're not in control and understanding that the whole thing could burn up or whatever and yeah. you could die or whatever. Right. The hope is that the resurrection means, oh, I'm bringing you back. Yeah. I'm going to bring yeah. you back. You, your body on this earth, remade, bringing you back. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get back to the way things were supposed to be. Right. And it's not going to be like some kind of mystical dream thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to be more real, more whole, more life, but physically, bodily here. That That's what brings me like, yeah. that's what actually... Resurrection Sunday is what makes me feel that I can manage the present. Okay. Yeah, to me, it, it is all of that. And so if it were only that, well, I'm not going to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. How am I going to survive No, today? yeah, you need, you need the presence of God now. Right. So it's, yes, all of that. So yeah. I had a Greek professor. He thought heaven was... Uh, so his picture of heaven was sitting under a palm tree next to a, a creek eating bananas. Yeah. Right? Great picture, right? right? I don't know exactly. Yeah, but, right, right. But it's, yes, but that's like far off. Yeah, or right, some, sure. You know, I'm, Hard to keep you. Yeah. What about today? Right. right? What about this problem or right. this situation? Or I don't know. It, to yeah. me, it, it's it's definitely you have that in view and he helps me. Every totally. Day every I day. have it in view when I'm thinking about the, 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 you know, the idea that, okay, so you go, well, God's with me today. Yeah. Well, a lot of people have God with them and their day sucks and then their life yeah. sucks and then their life ends. Yeah. So they and need- And that's not the measure. No. If God's with me, if my life sucks, that's right. not the measure. Right, right. My life sucked for years. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, so what I mean is that I think in the worst of circumstances, you can know God's going to make this all right. In the present, what gets me through is the presence of God, somehow the presence of God, but the presence of God moving me towards Christ-likeness in, in the present. Yeah. It, 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 seeing the world through the kingdom of God, helping bring about the kingdom of God now so that there's that purpose of I'm helping cultivate the, the, the presence of, of the kingdom of God in the world I'm yeah. living in. That, that keeps me... Yeah, and I think that's unique to every individual. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, so for me part of that woundedness. So I talked about poverty. And yeah. so we're running Stowe Mission that served 200,000 meals to people that may not eat. Right. Who are in poverty. Right. And that how, yeah. that how that connects? Yeah. I was born in DC. I'm probably going to show this picture. I was the only white boy in my second grade class. Yeah. Right. So we got a, when I got here 19 years ago, I said, we're a little too old and a little too pale. Yeah. Right. Right. We look more like Columbus, yeah. more like heaven. Yeah. Well, a lot of that comes from, I know what it's like to be the odd one out. Yeah. Right. So, so God uses all of all that stuff to see the inverse of it. Right. But, but without that surrender piece, I would never realize that. Yeah. Hmm. Because you, you would have the wound from the past just would have clouded you. It just would have, it just would have been something that you're really afraid of. And then you're just motivated by some type of ill motivation to go through life as opposed to really. So the, I think what would have happened if I didn't, so, and a lot of people do this, they tend to compartmentalize that fear. Well, that's Mm -hmm. just one area of my life. Yeah. I'll go out and serve God and hold on to the fear. Yeah. Now you can do that. Sure. But it's not going to be as penetrating 
as it is unless you got let allow God to work that through you first. Yeah, boy, yeah. Which yeah. is that whole Second Corinthians one. Yeah. Right. If mm-hmm. I don't let him work me through my fear, yeah. I'm gonna be less able to help somebody, help whatever else. their fear is. Yeah. Man, okay, so it's already I'm almost been like forty five minutes and I haven't even asked you my question yet. <laughs> okay. um, I want well I do I what I want you to do is I want you to I want you to share about the Nepali church. Yeah. I want you to tell that story. Which one? Uh, I want you to tell the, the one about how long they were over there and then how they ended up oh, here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so I'm sitting in my office about 2010 and I get a phone call from this guy from what I guess was Southern Georgia, way his accent. Never met this guy. Southern Georgia. Yeah. He said, uh, Brother Rich? Yeah. He said, I want to come up there to Columbus, start a Bhutanese church. I said, come on, brother. Hung up the phone. <laughs> and then I Googled, Get up here. Get then going. I, then I Googled Bhutanese. I don't know what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, what right? the heck is that? So Bhutan is the second smallest country in the world. Okay. Right? It's over next to Nepal. Uh, so he comes up here. This guy is in his, I think at that time, 70s, pushing 80. Buddy, his name, Jack, he's late 70s. They started three Nepali churches, one in Columbus, I think one in Cleveland, maybe one in Cincinnati, same week. Uh, so I got to know these guys, right? So in their ordination, you know, you have mm-hmm. a service where set aside somebody for ministry. Mm-hmm. So part of what they say is, I give my physical life for the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right? I'd never heard that before. Wow. So then, uh, so we have, there's 65,000 Nepalis in central Ohio. We have probably 10 churches, two more going to join today. I'm talking to these guys a little bit. Um, so we were onboarding this other pastor, uh, in an ordination council. Like I was there for yours. Yeah. Where you, yeah. So somebody who feels called to the ministry, Mm -hmm. get a group of other people around to ask him questions. So in this one, there were Anglo guys asking the questions. So this one, the poly guy, it says to be a pastor, uh, the Bible says, let a person be tested. Have you ever been tested? Right. So this guy, uh, he says, well, in, in my country, we were gospeling. That's what they call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll say, I gospeled him. I, not, I shared I gospel. I gospeled yeah. him. Yeah. So we were gospeling. And this one village, all the families came to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And there were like eight. And this is in Bhutan. Bhutan, yep, in Bhutan. And their church was rejoicing. And then later that year, they were having a Christmas service and the government came in and arrested all of them. During the service? Yeah, Pull, pulled them out of the service, put them in jail. All the people in the church? Yeah. It was a monarchy, so they can do kind of whatever they want. So then he says, so they came to them and says, you either leave Christ because you're Christians. That's that's the lowest caste in Bhutan if you're a Christian. That's so it's mainly Hindu. Hindu. I was going to ask. Christian is down at the bottom bottom. of the list. Uh, So you either leave Christ or you leave the country. So he's telling the story, and he said, so I talk to my family, and I say we leave the country which landed them in a refugee camp in Nepal for 18 years with a bamboo hut and a thatched roof. Mm. 18 years. I met a guy, Suk, who was 19. He went to the camp when he was two weeks old. Mm. And then the U.S. government expatriated 64,000 of them to this country. 18 years for your faith, bamboo hut and a thatched roof, and you wake up in what's now the 14th largest city in the United States of America and don't speak the language. Mm. Right? Wow. And, and there were other things done to those folks, right? That we wouldn't even. <laughs> I 
talk about. Yeah. So, so in that ordination council, I'm thinking, let's not go around the rest of the circle. Right. <laughs> well, I had a long meeting or. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I had a. My, my uh, retirement, the church didn't put in whatever. Per, Nothing yeah. compares. Right. Yeah. So you talk about surrender. Mm. So, so a couple of those guys, Yusuf Kadidi and Dilly, uh, Lumjell Dilly's on staff now. Uh, they pastor the largest Nepali church in the country. It's over in Whitehall. They were meeting at what's now the ministry hub. We have a little yeah. mission house mm-hmm. and then met with one of our West African churches for a while. And then they bought, was a former Masonic Lodge over on Barnett Road mm-hmm. in Whitehall. Mm-hmm. Incredible. And so... The U.S. government brought over how many? How many? Sixty-four thousand to the United States, and they dispersed them throughout different cities. Right in the and now a lot of them are resettling again into Columbus. Mm. So part of it is because of the churches that are here. Part of it is the state of Ohio has some good stuff for System refugees. For that. Yeah. So I met a guy moved here from Boise, Idaho. He was pastor of a church, thirty people. Most of them moved with him. Mm. Guy who landed in Dallas and relocated here. So a guy from Southern Georgia, when he came up to start those churches in 2010, brought Tech Darnell with him, uh, kind of the, he was a leader in Nepal there. So now Tech has moved to Columbus, is now pastoring a church here in our network of churches. And Wow. Yeah, it's, they are lighting it up. Mm. Yeah. So Akron, there are 15 Nepali churches. There's so one in Grand they Rapids. speak? Nepali. Uh, which now, is? Uh, so Jamasi. So you know that, uh, nam- namaste that people say yeah that's, namaste like for yeah. yoga yeah mm-hmm. so that's um that's a nepali word okay but if you're a christian you say jamasi which means praise jesus mm. and not namaste oh interesting yeah, yeah. Hmm. so and there and i love languages but theirs doesn't use the alphabet ours does i mean wow. it's so i did a strategy of jesus process with them two days kind of figuring out where they're going mission statement so so a lot of it's written in nepali Wow. So, so part of the thing that you do there is you talk about their core values. Mm-hmm. Can you guess what their number one value is? <sighs> I've never heard another group say this. I, I don't even want to guess. Hospitality. Wow. So they live in a bamboo hut in a thatch. So here, here's what they said. So in Nepali, mm. there's, there's this saying. So in the Hindu religion, there are thousands of gods, right? So there's this saying that if a visitor comes to your village at night, God has come. Hmm. Isn't that something? Wow. Yeah. So they. So it's just. A, it's a hard to wrap your mind around that someone that's been put out so much. Right. They. They. Hospitality. They need someone to be hospitable to them. Right. How do you get to that kind of a mindset? It's just part of the, is that a cultural thing or is that, yeah. was that the gospel in them or that's just both or, I mean. I think it's both, which kind of goes back to the encouragement thing. Yeah, wherever that type of attitude come from. Well, that's, so what I was saying about any comfort you receive anywhere comes from God. Yeah. So if a visitor you don't know comes to your house, God is there, right? Mm. Encouraging you. And that's, wow. that's common. So our, our Kenyan you know, brothers, I was over there one night for dinner, stayed too late, of course. So it's about 10 o'clock at night. Somebody's knocking on the door. They open the door. It's somebody there from Chicago that they didn't even know was in town. So Faustina brings all the food back out, lays this big smorgasbord. Jeez. 10.30 at night, we're eating again. We'd already eaten it like at six, <laughs> right? Which, 
There's yeah. so many things like that. You know, I, I spent like a little time over in Europe, some time in South America. Mm-hmm. There's so many things culturally about family and hospitality that we just totally, yeah. we're, we're the, in the rat race. Right. So, so here's another. We got to go to sleep because we got to get up and yeah. we got to go do the thing. When they're like, this is, this is my work. Yeah. This is what matters. So all of those, someone on a mission trip, Operation Mobilization, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but uh, yeah, when I've I was heard, a sophomore in college, went down to Mexico, went to Cuesta Cuancos. So I was in a group. Uh, so, so we prayed and it was in five different languages, right? So mm-hmm. Portuguese yeah. and Uf Larsen from Sweden and Mandarin yeah. Chinese, Spanish, English. All of a sudden, in my mind, God got a lot bigger. Mm. He's not a white guy that speaks English. Yeah, right. So all of those cultures, all of those languages, the more I understand about that, and even the food they eat, the more I understand the the globalness and multifaceted aspect of who got it. That's right. right? Multi-ethnic. Yeah. Global. Yeah. So we have, like, people ask me, how many churches? 140. How many ethnic churches do you have? 140. 140. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's right. Yeah. So I call them language churches. They speak a language in addition to English. Yeah. They're not ethnic any more than I am. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. So all of that, I think, and I didn't thought about it like this, but it's part of that encouragement. Yeah. Right. So hearing a guy that's been through that from Bhutan to Nepal to the U.S., and he's faithful to the Lord. Mm. He loves Jesus with all his heart. He gospels the people. He serves sacrificially. That mm. encourages me. Yeah. Right? He's, he's the it. pastor of the church now? Yeah. They have co-pastors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, no, the other guy, Bakta, he's pastor in another church, Bakta Tamong. Mm-hmm. It was the one who said that in particular. Mm. Well, you're going to speak this weekend at the church. Yeah. So when you guys hear this podcast, it comes out, it'll be, he have has already spoken. What do you, what do you what's the gist of what you're going to get at this Sunday? Well, we, uh, uh, uh it's similar to what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to go into all of it. Yeah. Just give a. So basically, each one of us has a unique individual contribution to the kingdom that will be left vacant if we don't allow mm. God to deepen us and fulfill them. Mm. I love that. Nobody has your parents didn't go to the school you went to your gifts. Mm your woundedness, Mm. all of that adds up to something unique. Mm. And I think the reason God allows that, guides that, directs that, is because there's a spot in the kingdom that will go uh, without, Mm. there'll be a vacuum there if you don't do that. Mm. So it's not like, well, teach, anybody can teach. Uh Uh-uh. I I see that, like, that is such a beautiful picture. I see it as, like, God laying a foundation for the kingdom and us being able to, at some point through the process of refinement, bring a stone that represents our contribution. Yeah. And right. without that one, we can't, we can't build from there. Or there's a missing piece. Yes. It won't be what it's supposed to be. Right. Unless you're, it's almost like the walk of fame, like the star, like yes. that's yours, right. your contribution. I love right. that. Yeah. And I, mm. one of the things that bothers me a lot is people undervaluing their stone. Yeah. Well, I can't do that, or it's not about that. Right. Yeah. God it's not. Create. It's not. You're not. You're not called a preacher. Yeah. What's What's I'm not your called to do what Joel space? did because Joel's already doing that. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm. Now you may be a preacher somewhere else, but that's 
you're not called to do what Rich does because that's Rich how. Rich is doing it. Right. You don't have the same background, same, right? Mm-hmm. But there's something, there's, there's a lot of somethings about you uh, that are unique. That God has always been at work even before you were born. Mm. So there's a guy down at Stowe, you probably know him, uh, Josh Shortridge, mm-hmm. kind of tatted up, yep, yep, had yep. a rough up and coming. And all this is public information. So yeah. he, uh, so when he was born, no Christians, rough group of people. So his mom was going to call him Jesse James Shortridge. Right, Jesse like the, the Western fighter, outlaw, outlaw, dead by the age of thirty, mm-hmm. criminal, wild. Yeah. So his grandfather, who's not a Christian, none of these people are Christians, says, "No, you need to call. You need to name him Joshua Michael mm. Shortridge." So Joshua versus Jesse James, right? Jesus is salvation. Yeah. Right. Michael, the only archangel. Yeah. Isn't that something? The difference of a name. Yeah. So that that's. And I think God does that to all of us. Maybe not the name in particular. But no, but some, there's some imprinting there before. for a reason. Yeah. It's because God wants you to lean mm-hmm. into that. That makes me think of uh, that song, Johnny Cash, A Boy Named yeah. Sue. <laughs> 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 right. Yeah. That'll imprint you. Yeah. yeah Jesse yeah. James, that would make you, Yeah, you blame that one on your dad for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, we'll t- I got to tell the story. So Rich, uh, has been working here in Columbus and working with churches. We worked with the church, Jersey Baptist church. You still do. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, that, During that, the network. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and rich, uh, came in, I worked there. It's like in 2007, eight, nine. And, uh, I want to hear your, this side of your, <laughs> I want to hear your side of the story because right. this is the way I tell the story. Okay. So right. I'll tell my side. Then you yeah. tell if it's the same or so. Rich had come in to church and done some leadership talks. Were you on the board or council or you, you're just consulting from your job yeah. as, as a yeah, metro so John director? John Hayes had heard me speak yeah. at a thing and had me come in and work with the staff. Yeah, work bit. with the staff. And, uh, and then you were doing Stowe and you were right. doing the metro thing and you were, you were con- and, and Jersey's involved in that. So there was yeah. lots of connections. So at the time, I was, uh, I had already. I don't know if I told you. I don't think I told you. I told them I'm 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 starting a church, but I'm gonna get my masters first. Yeah. So I get my masters uh from Liberty online. Yep. And uh um in one of my classes there's a conflict a, a class on conflict resolution. Right. So I had had this big conflict <laughs> in, in in at Jersey with the administrative director there, Keith. Yeah some big fight. I disagreed with him. Well, I lay the whole thing out, which was part of the course, which is part of this course. And now again, it's online. I've never met any of my, my professors (laughs) and I, I lay it all out there and I'm thinking it's a professor in Virginia. I don't need it. I use the names, the actual names, everything. It wasn't like code. And so I write this whole paper about conflict. And I think what it was is like a two-part thing where it was like lay out the conflict and then there's some steps. Go, yeah. go try to resolve, to resolve it. Yeah. resolve the conflict. So I write this thing. And then like two weeks later, <laughs> Rich is at, at Jersey. I don't know. We're having lunch or we're just talking in passing. And you said, so how the, how's that conflict going with, <laughs> with Keith? And I was like, what? <laughs> what? What conflict? You know, the paper. The paper for your class. 
how do you know about the paper? For I, I had a moment of panic because I'm like, yeah. how did he find my paper about Keith? And does Keith know that I wrote about it? Because I don't remember if I, I'm sure I was mad at him in the paper or whatever. But like, and then you're like, I'm your professor for the class. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea because yeah. I mean you know you read Doctor right. Richard yeah, yeah, yeah. Halcom you read I, I I stopped reading this was like my last quarter I didn't okay. even read my professor's names right. I mean you just take Why? the class yeah. I mean I mean who, who you cares do, who the professor is you yeah. do you do if you have to write them a bunch yeah. or something right. but oh my is that basically how you remember it? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it was and I didn't know whether to say anything or not right so funny so I thought well and we were alone it was at lunch yeah I wouldn't do that and yeah 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 no yeah whatever. Uh, yeah, and so basically, funny. I was thinking, I, I want to help you no, yeah. smooth some of that out, but the look on your face, it's one of those, I probably shouldn't oh. have said that, right? But I mean, you just No, it was fine like, you said that. It's just so yeah. funny. I had no yeah, clue. you look like you've been hit by a truck. So I people, mean, was, so listen, I will, yeah. So um, thanks for being here. Well, I love, I love you. I love this church. I mean, God, not just does he imprint individuals in particular, which he has you for sure, but there's also a place this church occupies yeah. That no other church occupies. Mm. Well, Rich, you guys, he, he, you know, Rich has his PhD. What's your PhD in? Well, it's actually a D man. A D man. What yeah. is it? And leadership and church leadership management. Leadership and church management. Yeah. Rich is on our board. He brings literally just a wealth of knowledge and insight and leadership. He's helped us. He did a thing with our staff a couple months ago or weeks or whatever. And uh, he's going to be speaking this Sunday, which you'll have already heard when you listen to this, but go back and listen to um, this Sunday, I think it's May 15th is yeah. when he's speaking mm-hmm. and, uh, listen to his talk on servanthood and leadership. You heard a little bit of it, but love you, man. Love you too, buddy. Thanks for being a part of this. Yep. Honored, and, to, honored to help any way I can. Yep. So that's the rest and we'll touch base with you guys next time. Thanks so much. <laughs>